Guten Morgen. Let's see what Guy is up to. We're kind of on a thought kick. A thought binge. The untold story of humanity with Paul Von Ward. Comes up under thought. The origin of humanity is a long and enduring mystery and has been subject of never-ending debate with a myriad of creation mythos. Conflicting with physical evidence, discovering the truth may come only by bridging science with metaphysics. Pieces together details from our ancient past and have a completely different view of how humans originated on this planet in this interview. One of the fields I delve into regularly is revisionist history of the human species. From the work of Zechariah Sitchin to Eric von Daniken, among several others, this time, this unique time in history now, is offering us a completely different view of how humans originated on this planet. Yeah. Paul von Ward is continuing this line of inquiry in his new book, Children of a Living Universe. His life experience as a reverend, naval officer, service in the foreign office, along with a graduate degree from Harvard and other postgraduate degrees, uniquely positions him to ask the big questions along with the rigor to do the research. He's with us today, and Paul, it's good to see you again. I think this is our third time around. I'm delighted. So it to should be, nice. be a charm. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and the thing is, this isn't where you started out in life. We've talked about highly esoteric subjects in our past conversations, but that's not where you began your life. Yet here we are. So No, I, my life began in northwest Florida in a sheriff copper's uh, farm, you know, <laughs> in a little community of uh, fundamentalists and uh, a small rural school. And uh, I started there and, you know, doing the normal things, uh, getting involved in the church and being saved and then being tutored as a youth minister and uh, being urged to move ahead as a pastor of a church and so on. I started in that direction, uh, never thinking about anything else except theology. But I have to, in retrospect, uh, confess that during that time I was already questioning some things. I went to my minister and said, you know, I'm going to be a missionary in Africa when I get my ordination and get going as a minister. Uh, but I have a question for you. What God would let all of those people in Africa die and go to hell for eternity before I get there? Because that was a question I was asking as a little kid in the Lutheran tradition of, of religion as well. It yeah. made no sense. It made no sense. No. And so I you know, had this sort of uh, little box of questions inside me that I started to... Uh, question. And at Florida State, where I was in graduate school by that time and had been ordained in a small rural church, and I was challenging, uh, you know, the theology of this fundamentalist uh, worldview. And we had the great fortune of having Paul Tillich, one of the great uh, Protestant uh, Christian theologians of the 20th century, came to spend a few days with us in the philosophy and the religion department. And uh, I, was, I had been making every uh, six months, I would write a page, what I thought 
was god and and how it fit into the picture of you know our reality and so i was explaining that you know i had this and i said you have been talking about god in such a different way how can you have such a different definition and he said you know gray haired looking down on me you know young man it's all a question of your perception and your definition and that was the moment that really released my mind to question i had had the imprimata of this great theologian who could say that god and the universe we're in is very different it's all a matter of perception all the matter of perception and then you know well and your life went on as they say what you what was that saying you can't keep them down on the farm once they've seen free <laughs> i mean you were off around the world yeah. you had, you were getting your graduate and postgraduate degrees i mean you you were leading a large life that gave you a lot of contact with other civiliz yeah. other parts of civilization yeah other cultures and other and cultures and this is something that i think also must have had a very strong impact on you when it comes to the rigidity of what you were taught as a child compared yeah. to that statement it's Absolutely. all a matter of perception Absolutely. i was so uh, fortunate i when i left graduate school and this was in the early days of the vietnam uh, period mm -hmm. and became a naval officer and uh, i was actually stationed in the united states and then though i was picked up uh, by the white house and uh, given a appointment to be a diplomat in the foreign service mm -hmm. and my first uh, Post was in Paris, but then I had only been there six months, and so I was sent off to Malaysia uh, as the uh, member of the advance team of Lyndon Johnson as president, going to Malaysia. Mm -hmm. uh, first one who's ever visited Malaysia until Obama, <laughs> 50 mm -hmm. years later, mm -hmm. uh, went back to Malaysia. But anyhow, I took advantage of that because I, I went to the uh, uh, conference there that we had and then I visited came back through India through Iran on my way back to Paris uh, and I was just were you reaping. absorbing a lot was, of the religious cultures I was, along the I way I wondered mm -hmm. why am I doing this mm -hmm. but I, I I had to stop in India and meet some of the Hindus and go to some of the places that would uh, give me uh, concepts I, I, I it was almost a an impulse. I mean, it was not intellectually mm -hmm. uh, developed. I, I just had to go to these places. And then I had one of my colleagues in the Foreign Service was in uh, Tehran and said, stop in Iran. And I uh, went there. And the first thing I asked to, to do, I want to go to where the Zoroastrians were. Mm -hmm. And he said, really? I said, yeah. I said, he said, but it's just some ruins and, and places where the oil comes out of the uh, ground itself and you had this continual flame. And so I went and experienced that in uh, not an intellectual way, but, a, but a, some kind of energetic feeling of, you know, I feel some connection to this place. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't even really studied Zoroastrianism mm -hmm. very much, but I had that sense. 
And anyhow, I can go on and on with this mm-hmm. tale, but uh, it, it, it's... But this sounds like a journey of the soul. It's, uh, it, it, it's something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I traveled around the world, I literally visited a hundred countries in about uh, 30 years, half of that in the Foreign Service and half of it with a non-profit, international non-profit that I fi- founded in Washington, D.C. And so in those hundred uh, countries, you know, I was just, every every place I would go, uh, I was supposed to be studying politics and international relations and all the projects and, and uh, the jobs that I had were at that political level, but mm-hmm. I was looking into the culture and the culture of their religions, of their worldviews, their philosophies. And so after about 30 years of that, I had to let that go and follow the research that I had picked up all of these clues about the different worldviews in the world, the different belief systems, and my own personal sort of uh, correlating the behaviors of cultures with their spiritual and religious beliefs. Yes. And so you, as you were picking up knowledge from these different cultures and belief systems, what you're, what, essentially what you're trying to do in this book and what you are doing, you start out with the physics of the universe itself up front. That's that's a friend of the book, right? It's like, let's get into it. It's all, we're all the same stuff, as above, so below, which is a hermetic principle, exactly. and we're going to get in that in a moment. Yeah, yeah. But taking it back down to the ground just a bit, were you finding that there were these large or missing uh, gaps? There are these gaps in the stories when it comes to human creation throughout all of the religions of the world that you had been exposed to? Well, the the, the gaps were not so much between uh, what I now call the big picture Mm -hmm. with these more uh, primitive or more traditional uh, Highly defined, views. yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but compared to modern Christianity, mm-hmm. that's where the gap was. Okay. Because uh, in the Western world, in the Roman, uh, say, picking up Western civilization uh, with the Nicene uh, Creed in 325 in the mm-hmm. current era, that period, that was a very narrow view of reality. Uh, it was, uh, how do I say, bookend by, you know, the uh, time that Jesus was allegedly here to this point in time. Uh, it was a very simplistic uh, view of things. You know, you get here, you have one shot at it. Uh, you got to make one choice about the church. Yes. And you were going to heaven and to hell. We're the only beings on the planet. We're the only beings in the universe, we are it. And it is all controlled by this anthropomorphic God figure Mm -hmm. uh, who is playing with us all the time. That was the model that I grew up in. But all of this travel and all of this uh, contact with other cultures you were getting much deeper very historical. Different. Thousands yes. and thousands yes. of years. And even the Greco-Roman time, in those times, they were influenced deeply by um, the Egyptian times. And, and even prior to that, perhaps the, we could even say, perhaps Atlantean or other well, cultures that, that, prior to. But see, I'd, at that time, 
I didn't know any of that history right. because no one taught that history. That's when I start started going back mm -hmm. and looking into, I had the uh, Hindu, very ancient text, been interested in that ever since I had first gone to India. Uh, but then I began to look into the Egyptian area mm -hmm. and that was coincident with the Hindu traditions. And it had another layer to it. You just intimated that with the Atlantean. Which was referred to an ancient civilization that preceded it, that where yeah. the ancient traditions and knowledge were passed down yeah. to them from. I yes. mean, the, 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 the Egyptians were apparently one of the, uh, if not the uh, most lucky of the survivors after yes. the cataclysm of about 11,500 years ago. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of material and uh, artifacts and, and, and text that came from an earlier, and we can use the word Atlantean, uh, that's a, a, a Well, that's Greek the only place thing. you can really point to, and that's what yeah. a lot of research is pointing to now, that yeah. it's not a mythical lost continent, no, it's a no. lost continent. The only way to uh, interpret the ancient text mm -hmm. is having some sort of source for it which preceded these cultures. So anyhow, that's that's how I got interested in these these worldviews, and I picking up from the Atlanteans, uh, Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, mm -hmm. with this tradition of uh, what we call today the Hermetic principles. Mm -hmm. uh, Toth, who was really the Egyptians, uh, alleged that he was a ruler of. Atlantis, or Niter, uh, at that time, uh, not in Egypt itself, but right. that that came down through the Middle Ages, and we finally have some of those uh, documents still. Isn't uh, with uh, us. isn't um, isn't the tradition, the Hermetic tradition, um, based on the writings, the the teachings of? Um, the Hermes, who also we see, we don't know about that. supposedly an extension from Toth to, right. to Hermes. To Toth and Her Hermes is mm -hmm. is then the uh, Greek and yeah. then and then we bring that mm -hmm. through. But mm -hmm. it, it, some people talk about the emerald ta tablets and yes. that so on. But yeah. what interested me was those uh, seven principles, because when I was looking at the differences in the different cultures about the origin of Earth, humans, the universe, uh, the hermetic principles made a lot of sense because if you go back to Genesis, for example, where it says, uh, in the beginning, there was a voice that said, let there be light. Yes. Okay, now that's a very interesting thing in the world of physics because you know we, we don't know exactly how the universe is put together yet our physicists are really getting on a edge of a cliff but that you know i look at that and that that seems to me to be there's such an obvious gap there if you can't acknowledge the existence of intelligence 
or consciousness or awareness, whichever yep. word you want to apply to it, right. in and of itself as pre-existing, <laughs> so to speak, <laughs> how right. could you possibly account for the rest of anything, even just looking at a rose? Absolutely. So, so the, 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 that we have ancient scientific principles mm -hmm. that we cannot account for in our modern uh, civilization. So one of the things that got me uh, motivated about this book is a comparison of that ancient wisdom of the physics of the universe mm -hmm. with the standard model of science that we've been using for the last 500 years. Mm -hmm. And when you put those together and you look at the experiments that we are doing in our uh, modern uh, world of science and the CERN laboratory in Switzerland, mm -hmm. uh, another laboratory in Italy where phys uh, uh, the researchers are lo looking at the uh, uh, standard model using electromagnetic uh, uh, pulses uh, with light, trying to find, you know, that smallest little particle that's there. Yeah, the boson. And every, well, the boson, and now we're looking for the next right, one. Right, exactly, beyond. And, and uh, as I said to someone earlier today, uh, we have, <clears throat> you know, this technology, these huge machines. And of course we're going to get something mm -hmm. because it's going to produce something. But the fact that we get the boson or we get that next question mark, mm -hmm. smaller particle, it's going to be an artifact of our technology. It exactly. says nothing about exactly. what else is out there. So I'd say in the last six months, uh, uh, starting with Stephen Hawkins about six months ago, you know, talking about black holes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he said about 40 years ago, black holes are going to pull in this mass from all over the universe and it'll chew it up and it'll just disappear. And it, no, frightened everyone. <laughs> frightened everyone. And yeah. then four, 40 years later, he has said, well, now, wait a minute. If it's, you know, D structed in the black hole, then it has to go somewhere. And, you know, that's his puzzle now at this point. And then another week or two, well, a month or two later, I heard an interview of uh, Roger Penrose mm -hmm. uh, talking about this same problem. And he was telling the uh, interviewer uh, when he got the question, well, if your standard model is incomplete, what would it take to make it complete? And so, Roger, it was very uh, interesting because he's very straightforward, and he said, well, you know, it has to be a new model. A new model. A and new model. Yes. And this is the first time I've heard such a, a public figure to make say that. Make such a bold statement. And now, yes. since then, and I, you know, I think people like me and others who like to look at the uh, Scientific American every month, the last couple of three issues have articles on this problem. Uh, it's One is in the CERN uh, laboratory. What if you don't find the next one after the boson? 
it doesn't complete the model. And that's when you got to have a bigger picture. Right. But then, that's when you need your new and model. And then just, just this month, a wonderful article, uh, having the same ending to it, that these are physicists, a couple of them and their team, who've been working together for, uh, I think it's now about 15 years, uh, using the uh, technology that we have to find uh, how we go beyond a boundary. You know, the universe is filled with boundaries. In other words, there's a physical boundary, there's the electromagnetic, there's the light, there's the uh, every aspect. It has its own feel about itself. Uh, so anyhow, they worked for uh, 15 years on this project to, to find using the electric, electromagnetic feel on light to see what, how, what they can do with muons and, and other uh, particles. And they are, they failed. Yes, and this reminds me, it's popping back into my mind. I was doing an interview in Germany in the mid-80s, mm. eh, toward the late 80s, 87, 88, mm -hmm. somewhere in there, uh, with a physicist named Wolfgang Ludwig. Mm -hmm. I mentioned him in one other interview because another young physicist also knows of his work. And, and I remember at the time he was talking about um, illness. Mm. It, and uh, he had invented, invented a device that was a face-off laser that put the information mm -hmm. of, uh, it was light, color, sound, crystalline energies and such into the acupuncture meridians of the body. And he excitedly told me, he says, what they don't understand is, yes, you have so many bosons, but it's the space between the bosons that is what matters here. Right. And I remember him saying, they don't understand. It's the space between. That's where the intelligence mm -hmm. exists that guides the well, bosons. Well, he you, said bosons, but yeah, yes. <laughs> but you've just brought it to the point of this book, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, what we're talking about uh, is that the universe should be looked at from the other direction and that other direction is information in the space yes what is that that is the consciousness and so if you go back then to the hermetic principles that we talked and let's do that about before as above so below as and above so below so that. what we're saying is that if you have the the matter, and we know everything in the physical realm is on a spectrum, mm -hmm. and then anything that's in the energetic spectrum, I mean, if you look at uh, the electromagnetic uh, uh, scale from very low to, to very high, mm -hmm. so you have this spectrum, this is one of the hermetic principles, as you said, as above, so below, so you look then into the uh, area of Information. Yes. And information then is abstract and then brought down to concrete concepts and words uh, that we use. Why do we use these words? To make a voice. Mm -hmm. And the voice of the universe, it's just the song of the spheres yes. I and mean, all of that. Those kind of concepts are parts of principles of creation. Yeah, yes. and 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 that the notion of of just a an intent. Mm -hmm. and this goes back to Plato. Remember, he said, "What is there first is the idea, 
And so if you begin to look at the universe as an idea, going for information, then you go into the virtual particle level, which you then have further con condensation. Yes. More and more to the heavy uh, atoms that we have. And this is then the universe. And it is a ballooning. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like a, a balloon. balloon, yes. And 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 what we've done in our standard model uh, is that it was one point, and it goes out like a cone. You, if you look at all the uh, aids that are used in physics books today and on the internet and and television and so on, you have this cone. Well, what we're understanding at the lower level that we're talking about the research in Italy and, and, and Switzerland, uh, you have the concept of inflations. So inflation is then, it starts at a point and then add, mm -hmm. expands that way. So our universe is being misrepresented by this cone model. It's really a balloon or a some sort of uh, structure which is not, you know, a perfect ball, but it is a balloon built around the structure. The structure is the boundaries of all these different spheres. And uh, it makes a lot more sense in terms of thinking about life, the building of a solar system, of a galaxy, all of these boundaries have this intent, the yes. information, and then it exposes itself, expresses itself uh, in the physical realm. And but that requires moving beyond the material sciences. Oh, absolutely. And it doesn't matter how sophisticated and how many billions of dollars they're spending and sure. accelerators and so forth. You have to move beyond the material sciences to be able to find that that finite bit of information. But these uh, scientists that I uh, referred to a little earlier, they are actually getting, I think, to the precipice. Yes. Because that is so exciting. And I w wish I would have uh, 50 years yes. more to go than maybe a couple of decades more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And this is what you're saying. We have to be able to now bring in ancient philosophy, um, ancient traditions, lore, and mm -hmm. understanding, along with philosophy, and even beyond that, cosmology, into our mm -hmm. understanding as we start constructing, academically constructing, not only the universe, but this species mm -hmm. and other species, you know, in our solar system. Yeah. Without that, you're saying, we can't do it. It's not possible. Now, as you say, they bump up against their limits. Material sciences cannot answer those questions. That's why we are very lucky to have these anxious yes. concepts because that's going to give us the foundation for a new model and uh, that's what I'm trying to to do is to just show that as I, you know I, I, obviously uh, scientists are not going to grab it and embrace it totally mm -hmm. but what I would like to have people do is at least to look at the possibility yes and and to, to uh, say let us change our experiments in a different direction. Let's start with the idea and then go exploring on 
the physical world rather than taking your a priori machinery exactly <laughs> to smash pieces of the still world. looking for the answers in those pieces right. in the material aspects of those right. pieces exactly. okay so along in, through this journey and then the book you go into into all of this the the background of the quantum physics and so forth in mm. the universe as being born from fields of information vis-a-vis hermetic principles and and such but you also introduce the notion of advanced beings that advanced beings have helped guide in in the process and you speak of toth yahweh um also uh, atlas mm-hmm. as being perhaps some of these advanced beings that have introduced this knowledge for purpose yes. throughout history so let's talk about that well one of the one of the uh, i think most a significant set of clues that there are other more advanced beings than uh, humans in this universe is that those ancient principles and laws and knowledge that we get from the early Hindus, the Egyptians, uh, Atlanteans, etc. those levels of knowledge that we are testing out and validating today had to come from very advanced minds it's because they're so precise and complete in their understanding nothing like what we have even today yeah it's much more an integral uh, yes. a model of of the universe and we're just doing you know little, little slices of it so that suggests then that we are not, you know, the uni- unique beings on the universe uh, mm-hmm. plane. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's silly to think about it in those terms, but when you have that sort of evidence that we can uh, validate that they were there because we have the artifacts, we have the information that's there that is now being validated in science. So they must have come from somewhere else because we don't have a history of them growing up on this planet Mm -hmm. because their own narratives suggest that they came from someplace else and the humans who were here physically saw them coming from someplace else. So we have you know, we're probably, uh, you know, uh, kindergarten level yes. of beings on other planets and maybe even in uh, sort of middle uh, dimensions between this pure level of consciousness and the physical uh, bodies that we have and that a lot of the more advanced beings had as well Mm -hmm. there are also uh, I I think uh, examples of of beings that are not quite you know three dimensional right but But are existing in sub-dimensional fields sub-dimensional I mean but they're they're sort of we might say as above so below they are like the virtual mm-hmm. particles mm-hmm. in our physics model mm-hmm. because they are in a different dimension Dimensional in state, terms yeah. of traveling, in terms of their Which ability. Which is not to indicate they don't have physicality, they just don't have physicality within the, our ability in to our, sense. In our, in our, yes. in our, and with, uh, for our instrumentation in, as, as it's developed exactly. at this point in time. Sure, yeah. yeah. 
they mean, have their it, own physical realities. Yeah, I think I'm glad you say that because I think we need to keep in mind when we talk about our science and our uh, mechanisms that we use, they are mechanisms that we have developed and they are limited by our own concepts. Abilities to have. perceive, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, whether it's it, through technology or personally, we can probably perceive more personally if we open to it than technology can. Absolutely, certainly. absolutely. Okay, so taking that in mind, okay. so we have gone through the fact that we're looking at the consciousness, consciousness is the missing element that they're not going to find through um, the, uh, through CERN or any other device out there. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Okay, so now let's add consciousness to the equation. Now we add uh, advanced beings who have come to this planet and been here Probably before we have. I mean, yeah. arguably the, the they've evidence, always been yeah, here. Yeah, evidence uh, at least yeah. a quarter of a billion years, uh, possibly. And yeah. you say we need to be looking at um, the creation story, so to speak. I mean, I'm just calling it a creation story. The the emergence of the human species. We're, we won't speak of other species, just mm -hmm. the human species at this time, needs to be reflected back in a new way. We need a new story. So what does that story look like now for you? How would you tell this story to us? Well, I, I think the story is that we in this universe are a product of, or a child of a multiverse, an omniverse, or a re- incarnating universe because uh, as our friend uh, Stephen Hawkins now has accepted that there had to be something before something yes uh, and so uh, what we have is our universe came either in a rebirth or was an inflation of an idea that more powerful consciousness uh, uh, used uh, the mechanisms of, of uh, consciousness uh, manifesting itself in physical form. So, so this is where we that we're we're part of that. So, are you saying that the universe, beyond normal anabolic catabolic function of birth and destruction? itself reincarnates as well with its own guiding intelligence as you might say a soul would reincarnate through a physical body yeah obviously we don't have any proof of that but it makes sense that if this to and fro in and out of the quantum field that we're now playing with in physics is expanded to the level of our universe, mm -hmm. then it did come with design, structures, ideas uh, that then are manifesting themselves mm -hmm. and that we as uh, physical uh, beings and others in the universe with us are then intentions of this conscious universe which means that we are children of this universe and we are expressing the We're an possibilities aspect of the consciousness yes absolutely yes but that but that we as humans obviously we're not the whole uh, ball game uh, but we are maybe we're on second base or something <laughs> right we're doing our part of the game and I use terms like, you know, self-learning, self 
evolving, uh, self-actualizing beings, mm -hmm. so that we are part of that uh, beginning uh, impulse of uh, completing an action that is going to be the best we can create yes. in this multiverse that we are part of. And you also make the point of saying, yet no lower and no higher than anything else that is self-actualizing within the universe. Because one thing that's happened is we, whether you, it, it's at the hand of religion, where you're taught to kneel mm -hmm. and to be subservient to, or whether it's at the hand of a, an ancient society of some kind or whatnot, this whole notion of humans being subservient to has been an issue for us. It's been a mm -hmm. deep psychological wound yeah. that we somehow feel less than because of the presence of what were have been our advanced beings from advanced yeah. civilizations, whether it's interdimensional or who've yeah. come here in their vehicles. Well, well, I think that uh, we humans, uh, which I, I'm not sure that we could even say we humans as an independent species, we are likely to be, you know, sort a of half... A little engineered here and there, know, yeah. I well, are, are half, you know, <laughs> yeah. half siblings of other Absolutely. Uh, people on other uh, uh, planets. Right. But uh, what, what, what we've got here is uh, we humans that are in control of our institutions today have a worldview which is very different from the one we're uh, describing in this little uh, discussion. And that uh, is what is the set of blinders on the positive, constructive evolution of humans on this planet, as far yes. as I'm concerned, because we are limiting ourselves by misinterpreting uh, the, uh, the the myths mm -hmm. of ancient history those myths are really the narratives of history and we've we've sort of taken those words and the stories of beings from the sky and interaction between humans and other beings and and all of those uh, tales those are narratives and we need to incorporate them into our modern narrative and religions and science both are uh, loath to consider that possibility so what's happening i think uh when i first started thinking in these terms 25 or 30 years ago i was really despondent you know that you have to teach the people who are here how to uh, open their eyes and, and expand their concepts and understandings. But I think the way it works now is most of it that is in change from the traditional to this new living universe concept is generation by generation. Yes. <laughs> you know, and we're, 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 we're trying to build a foundation of, of research and concepts and books and films and so on that younger uh, generations are, are getting it. They are, they are understanding, it. They're mm -hmm. understanding that, you know, things are possible. Uh, oh, I've interviewed that, a couple of young physicists that are, they totally get it. 
I mean, you don't have to explain a thing. They already figured it out, and they're on to the next. Well, that is, that is, that is happening. And it's, I've, it's, I've had the experience now uh, in the last few years to be at a conference and, and, and talking and uh, selling my books or something. And I, people who come up, uh, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. it was somebody who didn't have much of an academic <laughs> career mm -hmm. to hear the professors from universities say, well, you know, I'm in anthropology, but I have this interest in what you're writing about. No, I mean, that's wonderful. This is a very just, encouraging it's conversation. Ju it's just beginning to happen. And I, it I, is. I feel uh, that we're, we are making some progress. Absolutely. And, but so going back to the point you were making a moment ago, to open up to a new cosmology, to open up to uh, beyond religious doctrine, to mm -hmm. the notion that we are part of something, uh, we're perhaps uh, partially seeded, we can mm -hmm. be genetically partially sure. spliced with, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> other beings from other places, that we're, we're an evolving creation, and we create, just as we create, we, there have been a hand in all creations, right. but right. without the mass inferiority complex. I mean, this yeah. is something you wrote about in the book that I found interesting, and I'm going to get into a couple specifics. Okay. Just like the notion of bowing before, or kneeling <laughs> right. before, and you do yeah. address this saying that these traditions may have been passed on by way of our interactions historically with beings of a more advanced nature. Yeah. Well, I think that we... Uh you know, it's like when I was a freshman in college and the professors were there and I, I, I had to genuflect, you know, uh, the, yes. the professor. And, and, and we, we had that, I think, early in human history where you had more advanced beings and they, they had the power. And it's also like, you know, the European countries that colonize the more primitive societies within the last few hundred years. Mm -hmm. So the same sort of thing happened uh, with more advanced beings, uh, with, with uh, humans. And I think what they did is they became uh, subjugated psychologically, uh, they became uh, worshipful, they were dependent on these more advanced beings, and it just started a, uh, what I would call a personality syndrome, you know, yes. of, of deference and, and uh, looking elsewhere for the answers rather than from your own experiences. And, and arrogance on the part of the colonialists. Well, very much arrogance there too, but I think that some of that happened uh, by more uh, intelligent humans who actually used that psychological dependent syndrome to manipulate the uh, cult members uh, during the uh, cults of the gods and, and then when religions were more institutionalized, you use that same uh, dependence, that psychological control, control mm -hmm. manip manipulation, and, and when it didn't work psychologically and intellectually, uh, the religions, uh, you know, use force. I mean, the the Christians uh, slaughtered all kinds of people, uh, inquisitions, uh, torture, burning people at stakes. We've grown out of most of that, but the mentality is still there. And then you look into other religions still now are doing exactly the same thing to control their masses, uh, and they don't want to talk about the living universe. Right. The bigger universe, that we are parts of that, and we are all, as individuals, are our own little boundary. Now, we are inter 
laced with one another in physical terms and in consciousness terms as in energetic terms. We've got a lot of research, you know, about how we're connected yes, with we our... Yes, we do. That's just uh, so obvious now that we are connected in these different dimensions. But you have to look at yourself then, though, as direct to whatever that original intent is. That, that is, each of and us... And a direct reflection of it. And a reflection of it. Yes. But we can be uh, in our lower level here, if you want to use that term, uh, on planet Earth. We do get in interactions in our own species and in our own cultures. And, and we have some stronger people who manipulate. And so what we, what we have to do is to also take the bigger picture of the cosmology, but we've also got to change our model of culture, uh, that it's not hierarchical. But that's really why you wrote the book, isn't it? That's right. Because I mean, that's... The, the point is that we're direct... We're in a direct lineage of all of this creative force. We're part of it. Absolutely. We are creating ourselves on a daily basis. We but are. if you don't understand the nature of what you are, it's no. very rare that a person will try to buck against it if you don't understand the nature no. of what no, you that's are. Exactly You're going right. to live within all those little boxes and boundaries. Well, we've had a lot of uh, inculcation of these uh, you know, traditional concepts of dependence on some anthropomorphic exactly. uh, figure. And that is... Uh, Another area that I think is very interesting in in this new uh, model of consciousness, because we're having now some progress in neuroscience. We don't know where consciousness comes from, and we don't know how our mind actually comes together. But we are beginning to er to learn that our consciousness, whatever that uh, source is, works through our brain yes. physical networks, the amygdala and the right. prefrontal cortex. Uh, Mind the, operates outside of the brain and uses but, it but as a you, processing But, but it unit. does go through it, right. and therefore you can connect these ideas with your emotions. And this is what happens at the uh, amygdala level, so that uh, when uh, we go through this process of conditioning, of, of teaching by elders, by wise people, in quote. Mm -hmm. uh, people uh, are then not in control of their own singular consciousness because you've got to go through this emotional, physical uh, set of networks. Mm -hmm. And so that... You can't just have a one and say, we will clear those thoughts. You don't need no, them anymore. This is very, very ancient programming. It is very And we're quite a deep. complex matrix of subtle bodies with the emotional and, and the mental and so forth, and physical. And, and having to break through all of that at one time, you have to create new neural networks. It all has to be repatterned, but it all starts with one little seed, and that's why I like what you've done here, because well, this subject gives you a new understanding of what you are, what you've come from, what your capability is as a creator yeah. within the universe. 
I, I think the book and research, not only myself, but others who are working yes. in this area, yes. it is a strong uh, set of stimuli to decondition uh, this limited worldview that we are trapped in, both by science and, and religion. Yes, and so we we need to think about it in those terms. That, that, that this is an anecdote. Mind the gap, yeah. <laughs> as they say. Mind, Mind the gap. gap. It's right. in the gap, just like it's in the, the information is in the spaces That's right. between the bosons. That's right. That's okay. Right. Do you think that we're coming to a point where um, the term junk DNA is going to be basically scrapped? Well, I don't know because I have a thought that it is used by consciousness. And uh, I think the... Explain that. The word, the term junk DNA is used by consciousness? Junk? Yeah. We th called it junk the first time because we had no purpose. And we now know that some of that, quote, junk... Uh, actually has functions in yes. the expression exactly. of the DNA. And so my little model is that uh, consciousness works through the whole integral uh, physical body mm -hmm. and that our consciousness that is beyond this, uh, it seems to me can, with the whatever the energetic signals are that stimulate the expression of our DNA. Uh, I think it can work in that whole... Uh, yes, that's what I'm the, getting to, is it seems to me that that aspect of the non-physical aspect of ourselves mm -hmm. has to be working through the physical vehicle right. through more subtle mechanisms with the DNA that is called junk DNA. Yes. It doesn't have maybe its obvious physical purpose that they've been able to identify, okay. but it is expressing itself. Yeah, okay, that's right. In other words, I, I look at it as the medium through yes. which... Yes, exactly. You know, I think because, we're saying the same yeah, thing. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I see it as sort of, and I talked about these, the, 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 the boundaries, is the boundary of, of consciousness that uh, is after death, near mm -hmm. death, between incarnations, whatever uh, position, the, that uh, consciousness that is there, the, the, the boundary, and when I use the word boundary, it's, it's not uh, impermeable, it's permeable, but at least this is my hand, it has, it has a boundary, but it can get interlaced with another. And I think this is the kind of way we've got to think about consciousness yes. interla interlacing. Lacing with DNA, and our DNA, DNA and the intelligence lacing with the DNA of everything external Absolutely. as well. That's, you know, right. that's why I was thinking, I mean, it surely, hopefully in the next 20 years or so, they won't be making that silly little statement about 95% oh, of it oh, being junk DNA oh, any right. longer. Oh, okay, absolutely. let's talk about a little bit of the phenomena. We still have about 10 minutes left. And oh, the work good. of Javier Cabrera, because you mention him quite a bit in your book. Let's talk about some of the physical phenomena. I love the subject of phenomena. <laughs> well, I, that I, is indicating something else is going on around here. Well, that's right. Well, uh, I, I, I've talked a lot about uh, Cabrera uh, because I spent some time down in Peru mm -hmm. some years ago now, and uh, I uh, went to uh, his museum uh, where he had all of these uh, uh, 
objects that had strange uh, features and so on, but it, they were thousands of years old. And I think that's pretty, pretty well uh, validated at, at this point. It was uh, first uh, visit him, there was all this con controversy, you know, that he's doing this himself and, you know, creating these and trying to make... Oh, no, some of this stuff you can't machine today. <laughs> no, no, you can't get these iridescence, light-filled qualities no. of these objects even. It's, no. We don't know how to do it yet. No, no. But this guy did all this on his own? So, so anyhow. No, I think that uh, in terms of phenomena uh, that we, and this gets us into a whole other uh, realm, because a lot of the what I call ABs or aliens or ETs or phenomena, mm -hmm. whatever, uh, you know, this is where we see these uh, virtual particle uh, that we're talking about earlier, the physicist saying, I found a vir virtual particle of this muon here, mm -hmm. uh, the vir virtual uh, particle of, of a full being could be in a variety of stages of physical condensation. And I, I think that, uh, and this, this is really getting sort of weird, and then I mean, it, it, it may be that this phenomena can merge literally with our own physical mm -hmm. selves. And I've, I've talked to a number of people who have sensed that experience. I mean, their experience is that they were taken over mm -hmm. or uh, filled with, you know, another entity of yes. some sort. So I, I think that's... Uh, an example of, of, you know, you getting out of the physical, you get out of the energy, you get into the, uh, to the, the quantum area uh, in the material realm, then you get into this energy form and you get in this condensation of, of conscious, uh, I don't know what you call them, uh, sort of expressions it's like some of the uh, uh, elders have done in uh, aboriginal cultures you know that mm -hmm. they, where they I will give you a hex and that phenomenon yes. will mm -hmm. uh, go to you and do whatever he or it uh, it's a very real did. phenomenon yes and so this is a this is another aspect of this universe here, and uh, we need to encompass all of that, it seems to me, uh, in this new model. I agree, and, and I have another question to ask you, and that has to do with you also, in your past life experiments, last time we got together we were talking about past life experiments, right. and you have a, a pretty strong, you've studied your own incarnation path, and have a pretty strong inclination that you were among some gentlemen that were in this country at its uh, earliest ages of formation, in yeah. this, this young country, right. a group of gentlemen that were also steeped in um, a lot of the ancient uh, esoteric wisdoms, including hermeticism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so do you have you come to a feeling that perhaps you in this incarnation, like you said, you were studying one thing, but you asked questions and had an inkling. <laughs> Something else was scratching, you know, there itching at the back of the brain. Um, 
out of by way of curiosity, do you think that you may have brought through knowledge from another era? era? Mm -hmm. Questions from that other era mm -hmm. where yeah. these gentlemen had high esoteric knowledge. I, I usually, you know, talk about things in the abstract. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is a little bit. You, I'm putting little, you on the spot just a little, little bit. bit. Well, no, I, and, and I and I. I, I do want to say that I, I, I do believe that the research that I've done uh, on a lot of cases and, and on my own, I, I'm very much convinced that we have this uh, uh, soul genome or whatever word you want to use, psychoplasm, that does go from generation to generation and maybe shares itself in different uh, incarnations at the same time. Uh, mm -hmm. There's something else that I'm looking into at this point in time. Like parallel realities, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think when we started off, you know, I talked about a young boy asking these questions. I'm just saying, was there a soul imprint from that older gentleman long ago that was curious about similar such things well, I, that might I, be driving a lot of this I in think, you and I, all I, of us? I think I think so, because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, where, do, where would these ideas come from in my age, you know, 15 years old or 18 years old? I, I think that I have been in, uh, incarnated in uh, a soul that is, has such a directory that has been uh, very active in uh, religions and philosophy and, and, and science and, and cosmology. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't mean that I've done all of that all the time. Right. But I think there is a uh, core sense of one's own essence and its uh, uh, expression that ought to flourish in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, this kind of work coming in the second half of, half of my life, uh, uh, flourishing uh, and, and adding to, I think, I just asked, experiences. Yes, and I ask that because I think it's true of all of us. I, I, don't, mm -hmm. think, I don't see anything as born of just this moment only. No, it's I all mean, imprinted think, with some kind of desire. The people uh, that are joining us right now and watching this, mm -hmm. uh, they have their own imprint that has taken them down Absolutely. this path of inquiry as well. And these are, these are cycles, but it's just coming to a point of maturation now where the masses have access to it, yes, not like yes. when you were back then and it was all hidden knowledge yes. and secreted away from the masses who were busy farming and doing other things and had their own interests. Now we all have access to this potential for expanding our understanding of the universe and ourselves. And I think that in this lifetime, the notion of this model is that we are to evolve in a more self-actualizing way, adding to those past lifetimes and those experiences. Exactly. So going from a reverend <laughs> preaching a, a rather narrow message once upon a time to now, that's big, but it sounds to me like human sovereignty mm -hmm. and, and the encouragement of human sovereignty yeah. is your main goal. It is possible to rise out of the moment and the physical uh, place and s situation that you are born into and you have this potential that you need to express at a lifetime. And that's the goal, it seems to me, uh, for all of us. Couldn't agree more. And once again, thank you so much, Paul, for joining us and for writing this book. You've done a beautiful job on your research there. Really. Thank you very much. Thank you. Again, the book 
Children of the Living Universe, which you can buy through online booksellers. To go deeper into some of Paul's other work, you can dive into our Gaim TV archives under Open Minds and also our Conscious Media Network archives. As again, we said, this is our third interview. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on Gaim TV.